I encourage you to take your Bible, turn over to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, and I really want to encourage you to take out your sermon notes today and uh, fill these in because uh, I've been praying about this message for several weeks. I think it's something we all need to hear as a church family and, and our world around us, the Ten Commandments for Emotional Health Coming Out of a Pandemic. And uh, I do this not very often, but probably I can count on two hands how many times I've done this, but I pretty much borrowed a lot of these notes from, from Rick Warren. Uh, as I listened to his message on this, I just thought really important, but also why reinvent the wheel. So I want to encourage you to, if you want to go and look at that on YouTube and go in more detail, Rick Warren has a message on this as well. But our scripture reading is in Romans chapter 12, verses 11 through 12. In the English Standard Version, which we always read from, it says, Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. In Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, the message, he says it this way, Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert, servants of the Master, cheerfully expectant. And don't quit at hard times. Pray all the harder. And may God add his blessing at the reading of his word this morning. So Rick Warren, he says this. He says, we've been affected tremendously for a year and a half now with the COVID-19 disease. But what came along with that can be described as emotional dis-ease. And I think that's true. Uh, because if we're honest, we come here today with all different levels of spiritual reserves. Some of you were fully emotionally charged before last February, March, whenever everything started to shut down and you were pretty filled up emotionally. Some of you were struggling even before the pandemic with things going on in your life. Some were completely depleted emotionally at the beginning of the pandemic and are still dealing with being in a fog and under, trying to understand the times and the uncertainty of what's ahead. Or maybe depression now as the pandemic is coming under control. Remember this, though, that you cannot be spiritually mature if you're not physically and emotionally healthy. You cannot be spiritually mature unless you are physically and emotionally healthy. Your physical, your spiritual, your emotional reserves, when in the midst of a storm, they're being depleted little by little, like a small leak in the tire of your car. Little by little, the air is going out. Now, I don't know if the story's fictional or not. It's been debated on many websites, but you've probably heard this before, but a story of, of a group, a captain who was out on sea and they were in a, in a ship and as they came, he saw in the distance these lights and he was concerned about it because it was in the direction they were going. So he got his radio man to radio out and say, alter your course to the lights, turn 10 degrees to the south. Well, he got a call back from the radio man there, and he said, turn and alter your course 10 degrees to the north. Well, the captain of the ship, he was angered because his uh, command was not being accepted. And so with angered words, he got on the radio and he says, alter your course 10 degrees to the south. I am the captain of this ship. The reply came back, well, alter your course 10 degrees to the north. I'm second, third class Seaman Jones. Well, now he was even more incensed. Finally, he grabbed the mic. He says, alter your course 10 degrees to the south. I'm a battleship. 
And then the call came back, alter your course 10 degrees to the north. I am a lighthouse, a lighthouse, a structure that wasn't going to be able to move. But you and I, we need to find the lighthouse in our life, the true north. We must keep our focus on the true north to captivate our thoughts, which in turn will positively affect your emotions. As I mentioned, everyone has different levels of stress and everyone deals with stress differently. We're all in these storms together. In a minute, we're gonna talk about this, what those storms are. But each one of us are in different boats because we're rea reacting differently, because these storms affect each one of us differently. The five storms that are running concurrently in our culture as we speak is global infirmity, as we still talk about the pandemic in the media and, and the variants that are coming in. In other parts of the world, like India, they're still dealing with this substantially. Then there's social instability. Social instability. Now that we're coming out, how are we going to act? How are we going to return to social etiquette? And how are we going to get along with one another? And then we deal with the racial inequity, as we had the Derek Chauvin sentence brought down this week, the financial instability, the political incivility. These are the storms that are going on concurrently all around us. But today I want to focus on how we can deal with social instability. And there's so much here to discuss. You know, people are still debating whether to wear a mask or not, whether to get vaccinated or not. Now that I can go to places, we need to learn our, our uh, communication skills, our social etiquette once again. And as we go out, we can't assume everyone is back to normal or everyone is just okay. There's a spectrum of people out there with differing views even now about the pandemic and how it should be treated or not treated in our culture. And I think there's a real sense of uncertainty of the future. You know, where our foundation has been taken out from under us. And where is it that we find the rock, the stability, even in just normal, everyday life? Things are not orderly, or they don't work the same as they did before the pandemic. Some things have changed for the good, and some things have changed for the bad due to this pandemic that we battled with. But the big question is, how do I respond to the unknown certain future and to people who seemingly are on the edge? Now, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I've experienced this over the last couple weeks and into a month that some people are just really irritable and on edge because they just don't know what's going to happen next. Many people are elevating their feelings and their emotions over reason and logic. How they feel is their reality, whether it fits with the surrounding world they live in or not. There's a phrase that I've heard over the last few years that was pretty new to me. It was used to discuss our emotions discuss how we define our emotions and how to grow mature and how we react to our emotions. It's called our emotional intelligence, or EQ for short. And the Oxford Dictionary defines emotional intelligence this way, the capacity to be aware of, control, and express one's emotions and to handle interpersonal relationships judiciously and empathetically. Let me say that again, the capacity to be aware of to control and express one's emotions and to handle interpersonal relationships judiciously and empathetically. So keep that slide up, if you would, Bonnie, for just a moment. But my purpose today is to give us a starting point to sit down for all of us and examine our emotions, our response to them, and look at them through the lens of Scripture 
and what the Bible says that we're to do with our feelings and our emotions because God created us that way. There's a great book. It's been out for many years. It's 700,000 of them in print, it says on the, on the title page there. It's called Emotions, Can You Trust Them? by Dr. James Dobson. The best-selling guide to understanding and managing your feelings of anger, guilt, self-awareness, and love. And I encourage you to look into that because there aren't a lot of books written to talk about how we deal with our emotions from uh, the Word of God's perspective. So let's look briefly at the Ten Commandments for Emotional Health coming out of the pandemic. Commandment number one, show grace to yourself and others. Show grace to yourself and others. James 4, 6 says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So the first thing we need to do is we need to lower our expectations for ourselves and others. And that's something that I've had to really, really work on in the last few months is to have lower expectations for myself and others. As we adjust to the new way of life, we have to make concessions about our plans and our goals for ourselves and for others as well, what our expectations are. Last week we met as elders for five hours last Saturday and one of our elders was sharing that as we make plans, we need to realize that these things could change in a matter of two weeks. They could all be you know, blown apart and we have to come and be flexible with our own plans. We have to show grace and mercy and love to ourselves and others. We have to cut other people some slack and treat others as God has treated us with love, with mercy, with grace, with forgiveness. Many of us are exhausted. So pray to be filled with the Spirit and be even more sensitive to the Spirit. I think that's important. I know as my wife was getting ready to have surgery on May 25th, and we had never been through this experience of having major surgery, both of us the only time we were ever in a hospital was the night we were born. That's it. And so I was praying weeks ahead to give me more patience, grace, a servant heart, and the spirit, to be sensitive to the spirit. And, and it really, really has helped me. God has really answered that prayer. And I think we need to do the same, to be aware and sensitive of God's spirit in the midst of maybe irritable people that we run into. We are all adapting to these changes and starting over after the pandemic at the same time, but in different ways and approaches. So avoid being judgmental. Be an active listener. Give advice and counsel when it is asked of you. The second commandment is this. Start and end each day refueling your soul. Start and end each day refueling your soul. Take care of yourself. James 1.21 says, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Recent studies have shown that how you begin your day and end your day determines your attitude throughout the day. The first five minutes of your day really puts everything in motion for your life. And Rick Warren had a great thing in his video. He talked about getting into God's word first in the morning and last. And he said, take your Bible and leave it open next to your nightstand. And first thing in the morning, you get up and you just pick somewhere from 1 John or the Gospel of John or Philippians, something that's encouraging. And he says, just read one, two, three, read verses until all of a sudden God prompts you 
to stop and say, this is the one thing I want you to dwell on this day. And then he says, you go out your day and you meditate on that. And then at the end of the night, you do the same thing. You pick up, you begin reading where you left off. Maybe God only have you read two verses, maybe a chapter. But look for what God wants to prompt you to do as you go to bed at night. And that's a great way to help you deal with some of the negativity that we face in our culture. We need to stay committed to what's most important, even if it doesn't make sense at the time. We have to go against our feelings, go against the grain of things. The men's group were reading a book called Kingdom Men Rising by Tony Evans. In the video Thursday night, uh, Tony Evans is very humorous in how he shares his illustrations. And sometime when you get a chance, look up Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And the story is that Jesus asked Peter if he could push the boat out, his boat out. He was, you know, Peter was a fisherman. He wasn't a disciple yet. And Peter allowed him, and he began to teach the Sermon on the Mount. And then when he was finished, he said to Peter, I want you to go out in the daytime now and drop your nets and bring in the fish. And Peter kind of says to him, if you read that, as Tony Evans says, look, you're great at preaching sermons and you're great at, uh, you know, sharing the gospel and all those things, but I'm a professional fisherman and this is the wrong time of day to be going out. And Jesus says, go. And so Peter seemed absurd to him, went out and he puts the net in the ground, in the water, and guess what happens? He has more fish caught than he ever has in his life. And of course, that was when Jesus said to him, you will become a fisher of men. Stay committed to what you know is the word of God. Even obey it beyond uh, what your feelings are at the time. Stay committed to your personal worship time for your spiritual health. Stay committed to making personal time for your emotional health. Put it on your calendar that you need to set an appointment with yourself to do some hobby, do some reading, do some planning for the day. Meditation, honoring the Sabbath. That's something that's been discussed a lot in our culture in recent times in the Christian world, honoring the Sabbath. And stay committed to a personal time for your physical health. There's many studies that show that physical workouts help uh, productivity in the workplace and creates creativity as well, and you get better sleep as a result. The third commandment is this, set and stick to a routine. When things are uncertain, when you feel like uh, you, you, somebody's put you in the dryer and turned it on and you're spinning, when life just seems to be going crazy, figure out a way to set up and stick to a routine. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 16, Paul said, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Predictability is an important stress reducer, especially when everything is changing in your life. A routine gives you stability, the stability you need to help you refuel your tank. Putting together a new routine when you're going through a difficult season may take some creativity, but it's going to be worth the effort. And so for myself, you know, I've thought about this. I get up in the morning early. I get into the Word. I work out, whether it's inside or out, whatever. I get in the shower. I eat breakfast, and then I head off to work. And whatever it works for you, but to have a routine that you go through. Otherwise, what happens is we stay home, and we stay up late, and we're flipping through our media choices, or we're watching TV, we go to bed later, we get up later, and we 
just don't feel like there's any momentum for the day. And so it's important that we have some kind of routine in these stressful times. The fourth commandment is evaluate and reduce your media choices and consumption. Evaluate and reduce your media choices and consumption. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 says, The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? As I mentioned, it's easy for us to stay up late, to spend time in worthless things that maybe bring negativity to our lives. And so we need to remind ourselves that we don't need to hear the same negative story over and over and over. Maybe you have this habit, but you watch one cable news channel. Then you flip over to one that has a different slant to see what they have to say. Then you flip over to the third one. And pretty soon, in about half hour, you've heard the same story from three different angles, but it's all pretty much negative news. And so we need to make sure that in a stressful period, it's a great time to build new routines that include less media consumption. The fifth commandment is this, to take time to honestly evaluate your interactions and relationships in light of God's word. We're going to drill down on this point because this is a very important one for all of us as we deal with uh, relationships here at the church or in our family or in the workplace or even just out in public. In Romans chapter 12, take your Bible and turn over there to Romans chapter 12, if you would. Look at verse 14. Romans 12, verse 14, bless those, Paul says, who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Verse 17, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. And verse 18 is key, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. To repeat what I said earlier, we have to be honest with our feelings. And we have to ask ourselves, are your feelings rational or not as I compare them to the word of God? If they're not rational, then obey God's word as I've learned over and over and over again. And then the feelings will follow over time. An example of that is we oftentimes don't feel like in our natural flesh, of forgiving someone. Sometimes we battle with that. But we know that we're told to do that based on what God's word says. And if we're faithful to do it, God will bring the feeling of joy and peace over time because we obeyed what he prompted us to do. If your feelings are rational and you have an issue or an offense with someone, determine if you need to just go to the Lord and leave it with the Lord. And then move on from there. But if it continues to fester or bother you, then it's time to go and talk to the person that you need to deal with the issue with. And that's what Matthew 18 says. It tells us, not the pastors, not the leaders, but any of us who have been offended by someone, that we are to personally go to them and to bring reconciliation. So we need to make sure that we don't hold on to something that you know needs to be talked through because if we don't deal with that, it leads to bitterness. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. 
verses 14 and 15. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. The writer says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Wow, those are some challenging words there. Notice he says there in verse 14, strive for peace with everyone. If we have something that's bothering us about someone, we have an obligation to not let that fester, not to build up in our life. He says you will not have a blessed relationship with God if you don't strive to be blameless with your fellow man. He says for the holiness, to have holiness, strive with peace with everyone and to seek holiness, we can't have that if we're not right with our fellow man. And sometimes what we do is we decide, well, I have this issue with somebody, I'll just stay away from that person. I'll withdraw from having to face him or her. And we quit doing something because that person is in the room. And that's passive aggressive behavior. It's not healthy, nor is it biblical. Mayo Clinic says this, the passive aggressive behavior is a pattern of indirectly expressing negative feelings Instead of openly addressing them, there's a disconnect between what a passive-aggressive person says and what he or she does. So if you get to the place where you're wanting to talk to someone about this other person and they're not part of the solution to the problem, that becomes gossip. And that's not the way God intended it to be. The proper response is to pray for that person, go to that person, and share your concerns and the offense. Remember, it's my responsibility and your responsibility that we do nothing, as those verses said in Hebrews 12, to hinder the grace of God coming into our lives and other people's lives that we are in relationship with. When we're offended, when there's an issue, you have to deal with it immediately. Only involve the parties or the people involved. In Ephesians 4.26, a great verse that we often talk about in our marriages, but it should be true with anybody that we're in relationship with. Be angry. And do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. So God is saying, hey, deal with this stuff before it becomes a big issue. And if I don't respond as God would have me to respond, expect, as Hebrews 12 says, a root of bitterness to build up within us. You'll have trouble being around that person. You'll talk them down with others. You'll develop a negative attitude that will affect all the other relationships in your life. You will not want to go and attempt to work through and reconcile with the person because of pride in your life. We may couch it in spiritual terms, but we have an issue that needs to be discussed, confessed, and reconciled. And you will affect those you're in relationship with and the church that you go to as well. So left unresolved, your prayers will be hindered, God's blessings will stop flowing on you and your family, and you'll deny access to the grace of God for yourself and that person that you're holding a grudge against. You cannot achieve holiness and see God if you have an unresolved conflict with someone. And I've, I've talked to literally uh, several people uh, in our community, and some even in our church, where they're desperate to come back to church, but their spouse is stifling them from doing that. And they feel like it's affecting their family's spiritual life. And I want to encourage you, if you're in that situation, come together in prayer and come back to our church or wherever it is because you need to be with other believers so that you can grow. Put down your reasons and obey what God has told us. 
The sixth commandment is this, share your feelings instead of stuffing them. Very much like the last one. Share your feelings instead of stuffing them. Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This goes along with the last point. Be honest about your emotions and share them with someone if you're struggling with someone. And I'm not talking about, we just talked about reconciliation. I'm talking about if you have feelings and emotions and you don't know what to do with them and you don't know how to overcome them, that's when you need to talk to someone that you respect, that can give you godly counsel and advice. And if it's a desperate situation, you need to find a good Christian counselor who can help walk you through and deal with those emotions. One of the most important things that all of us could do, especially those in leadership, is to be an active listener. Rick Warren gives an example that his son, Matthew, in his mid-20s, just a couple years ago, was dealing with mental illness for many years. And as many of you know, he committed suicide with a self-inflicted gun wound. And uh, Rick and his wife didn't hear from Matthew for a couple days, so they went over to his house and brought the police for a wellness check. And, you know, they didn't want, after the police went in, they didn't want Rick and his wife to see it. And so Rick and his wife went home. And word spread very quickly through the church of what happened. And people in a small group came and came into their house, and they didn't say a word to Rick. They just said, we're going to stay here. We're going to cook meals. We're going to do the laundry. We're going to sleep on your couch and your recliner, but we're just going to be here to listen. And he said that was so helpful to him and his wife at that time of tragedy to be an active listener. Some, in the midst of, some of it here in our midst are experiencing grief over the loss of a loved one. In 1969, a Swiss-American psychiatrist named Elizabeth Kubler-Ross wrote in her book on death and dying that grief could be divided into five stages. Her observations came from years of working with terminally ill individuals. And many of you know these, but these are up on the screen. The five stages of grief are denial. Then you work through anger, bargaining, depression. And finally, at the end of that process, acceptance. And it takes each of us different amounts of time to deal with each stage, but deal with each stage we must in order to get to a healthy place. So we need to be patient, very patient as people deal with their feelings. As I said before, if you need help that goes beyond what a good friend or, or even a pastor can give you, find safety and counsel and a good Christian counselor to get the help that you need. The seventh commandment is this, seek godly advice before making many major decisions. Seek godly advice before making major decisions. Proverbs 15.22 says, without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. Thomas Akempis, in The Imitation of Christ, the book he wrote, said this, I've heard often that it's safer to accept counsel than to give it. It can even happen that each one's opinion is good, but to be unwilling to listen to others when reason or occasion demands betokens pride and willfulness. Look for someone who is an expert in an area that you need help with or someone who has experience in dealing with a decision you want to make and get their input. There's so many great people in our church that know so many things that I know very little about. And so when I have a question about something an engine, I talked to Mike Fenley, or we could go on and on, 
We have people in our church that can help us. But then there's always YouTube, right? There's all kinds of other resources out there that even 10 years ago we didn't have. So avail yourselves of those opportunities. And finally, godly men or women who can give you that wise counsel. I think about the President of the United States, and he has a, a cabinet. And of course, when he comes into office like President Biden did, he, he chose the particular people he wanted the Senate to approve to be in his cabinet. And each one of these individuals had a set responsibility, the Secretary of State, the Secretary of Defense. And they have to do the best with the staff they have to get all the information in order that when they meet with the President in a cabinet meeting, that he can call on them to give him wise counsel and advice. The President can't know all the details of what goes on in our country. So you and I, we need godly counsel and wisdom. And I encourage you to wait 24 hours and pray before you make some major decisions in your life. It's amazing when you, uh, you and your spouse do that and you wake up the next day and either you have peace about it or you make a different decision. But that time gives you a time to process and pray to the Lord and to seek his will. And trust that the decision that you make is God's will and allow him to fill you with his peace that passes all understanding as you make those major decisions. The eighth commandment is this, schedule breaks to renew yourself throughout your day. As we talked about a routine, set in the routine five minutes, maybe every hour. Set your alarm on your phone. Get up, walk around. Uh, maybe take five minutes if you have a basketball hoop like we have out here, you can go out and shoot hoops or read a book or whatever. But take time to break from the norm. It says in Isaiah 40, verses 30 and 31, Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Neuroscience is showing us that it's much better to take multiple short breaks throughout the day rather than one long one. We don't need a long time to recharge. We just need multiple breaks to recharge emotionally, physically, and spiritually. It's kind of like when you go to the doctor and they tell you that you've got uh, an illness that you need an antibiotic for. And you have to take a pill two or three times a day. It's that same idea for us to get a break so we are physically healthy. Figure out what renews and recharges you. Find out those things like gardening or reading an article in a magazine or whatever it takes, going for a short walk and do those several times a day. The ninth and next to last commandment is this, serve someone struggling more than you. Serve someone struggling more than you. Proverbs eleven twenty five says, whoever brings blessing will be enriched and the one who waters will himself be watered. As you give of yourself to others, God will give to you and take care of your needs and provide blessings. The verse says that you will be watered as we give water to others. And I always go back to that acronym, joy. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. And at times when I felt down and out and discouraged, and I go and help someone else out, all of a sudden, your perspective changes. The negativity goes away. And you see the blessing because you've blessed someone else by giving to them. So maybe it's writing a letter to someone. Maybe it's writing an email of encouragement. Maybe it's getting on FaceTime or Zoom or Google Meet 
because facial expressions are so important at this time to communicate with people. And I encourage you to do that. And then the last commandment is control what you can control and trust God for the rest. This is probably the most important of the 10. Control what you can control and trust God for the rest. In James 2, verse 22, it says, see, you see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. We only need to do what God asks us to do and we leave the rest up to him. And as I get older, I'm learning more dramatically. I'm much more aware now of the things that I have little control over and more clear what I do have control over. In my younger years, I thought I could control lots and lots of things, but you really can't. And it's easy to go extremes with this. We could say it's all up to God and become passive to the point where we do nothing, or on the other hand, you act like God doesn't play a role in it and it all depends on me. You have to find that balance and it helps you recognize what's in your control and then make wise decisions. And remember, you can't control the circumstances of your life, but you can control how you respond to those things. And that's what's most important. God is always there to help you make that choice in responding in the right way. So you need to work on controlling the things you put into your mind and body that you can do. You can control your sleep. You can control your eating habits and your exercise. You can control your spiritual life. But determine what things you can control and work on improving them and then let those things go that you know you can't do much about. I, in my own ability, cannot persuade someone to come to faith in Christ. It's the Word of God. It's the Holy Spirit. But he uses people to share that. But it's God who will help bring that person to faith. I cannot change my spouse. Boy, I thought I could before I got married. But after you're married, you learn for a long time uh, that you really can't change your spouse. I can't make decisions concerning my adult children. Boy, I wish I could. wish I could speak more into their lives. But they're going to make their decisions. And we have to leave those to the Lord. To sum up the idea of these 10 emotional health commandments, the key thought, remember that our emotional health is connected to our spiritual health, our growth and maturity. Our emotional health is connected to our spiritual health, our growth and maturity. In closing, I want to key in on showing grace and mercy in love to ourselves and to others. And taking time to honestly evaluate our interactions and relationships in light of God's word. We're to maintain unity and be ministers of reconciliation. What keeps us from that is pride. It could be an unwillingness to go and talk with those who've hurt us, it is, or it could be dwelling on feelings that need to be shared with someone and figure out how to deal with them in a godly way. But I'm convinced that God will not bless our church or any church until we've, we're rightly related with one another, whether that is with our spouse or someone in our church family. And our unwillingness to deal with these things hurts our personal spiritual growth, affects the spiritual growth of those who are closest with us, and hurts our church family. When we lay down our hurts and our burdens at the level foot of the cross, then we can know that God will be honored and blessed because we've surrendered to him and we've dealt with these things and we've done everything we can to reconcile with one another. So the question is, are we dealing with our emotions and feelings honestly? And if so, in light of God's word, if we need to go 
and reconcile with one another. Let us be faithful to do that. I leave you with three words. You want to write these down, and then we'll pray. Three words. Evaluate. Own. Evaluate your feelings. Own them for what they are. Compare them to God's word. And then go and do something about them. Evaluate, own, and do. That's what we need to do this week so that we can see the holiness of God, as it says in Hebrews chapter 12. Let's pray. As we go to prayer today, I just want every head bowed and every eye closed, and maybe you're here as the worship team comes, and looking into your heart and asking the Holy Spirit, are you dealing with your emotions and feelings in a godly way? That's the challenge. Maybe you're here and you say, maybe I'm discouraged. Maybe I'm depressed. Maybe I've uh, responded out of anger or irritability recently or whatever it may be. Maybe God is just dealing with your heart. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I encourage you, if you would like me just to pray for you, slip your hand up. No one's looking around, but help me. Yes, help me as I deal with these emotions and these feelings, yes, that sometimes go against, yes, that go against scripture, that go against even rational thought, yes, anyone else. I think this is such an important thing as we're coming out of this pandemic, to realize where we are, discern the times, but then how to deal with those things. Anyone else, just before we close in prayer. Father, you know the hearts of those that raised their hands. You know the hearts of those that are watching online. And Lord, whatever needs to occur, Lord, I pray you'll prompt them with your spirit. And that God, you'll help them to evaluate their emotions and their feelings based on your word. And Lord, help them to own the ones that are ungodly or not following scripture, not rational. And then Lord, help them to do something about it if they need to reconcile with someone this week if they need to dig deeper into the word and dealing with anger or whatever the emotion may be. God, we pray that you will do that so you'll renew our lives, renew our church. Help us as we go forward to honor and please you because we want to seek your holiness and seek your face. We pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen.